right, welcome to On Democracy with F.P. Wellman. I am F.P. Wellman, the host of your show. This is the show where we talk about our democracy with really cool people who know what they're talking about. Coming to you from the bright heart center of our nation. Uh, been a little gray lately, but here we are in St. Louis. I can't complain about that. Man, uh, we woke up some fun polls this morning. I'm sure we'll get to discussing that. Uh, the president race is already in maneuvering has already begun and uh, all that kind of stuff that goes on in our politics. I thought we wouldn't talk electoral politics, but, you know, just you can't resist it some days. But. You know, our democracy never stops rolling. There's a lot to think about, a lot to talk about. I've got an amazing guest who's going to have, uh, offer us some perspective that I value and I've known for a while, little while now. So let's not waste that time. Let's just get the show rolling. On with the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome. As I mentioned, I am Fred Wellman, your host of On Democracy with F.P. Wellman, right here everywhere you get your favorite podcast and on the YouTube channel, which I hope you'll subscribe to. Uh, man, uh, there's so much going on right now. I'm so glad to have you here for the show. Uh, we got a great guest. Who you are, There's just no way you don't know him already. If you do, you've been hiding under a rock for a while. But So I, want, I don't want to waste the time. He's only giving me so much. You know, I, I don't want to take all his day. He's a busy man. So, you know, Michael Steele is a former lieutenant governor of Maryland, chairman of the Republican National Committee. You see him regularly appearing on MSNBC and elsewhere. He now hosts his own co- co- podcast, right? Aptly titled yeah. The Michael Steele Podcast. <laughs> and, and I love the title. You didn't didn't agonize over it. I respect Dude, that. We, <laughs> we did research. I had I spent I spent about a million dollars to come up with that name. So <laughs> Me yeah. Me too. Was, Me too. Yeah. 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 I had a hard time starting my podcast because I, I got recruited to start my podcast originally. I was like, you know, middle-aged white guy, the podcast is kind of on brand. <laughs> but you know. <laughs> Here we are, you know, here we are, right? So, you know, I, I you know, we first got connected thanks to the Lincoln Project, I believe, when you shot the ad with my friend Jay Toscano, where you endorsed, yes. you endorsed President Biden, now President Biden, uh, you know, made a lot of people mad in the process. Uh, you know, I I appreciate you joining me here, and you've been a good mentor and friend of me since since then, and I appreciate that. So, you know, I always start the show off with um, asking folks you know, obviously, you know, we're fighting for our democracy in different ways right. and from different parties and different angles. I always like to ask, like, you know, you've had a really fascinating career growing up in D.C. You, you, you taught for a while. You went into law, Republican politics. You've been a strong voice kind of against what the Republican Party has become uh, from right. within in the last decade or so. You know, how did you get here, Michael? What, what is the journey that led you to this moment where you, know, you, you have your voice? You know, it's, well, first off, it's great to see you and to be with you, um, particularly since your your move to the heartland of America. Yes. Um, and uh, so really, really appreciate uh, the time uh, to chat, Fred. So the, the reality for me is this journey has just been like all journeys, uh, unexpected, um, twisty, turny, um, sometimes deliberate, most times not. And, uh, the one constant has been, uh, my own mooring, uh, of my identity and myself, my value and belief system. Uh, I became a Republican in 1976 in Washington, D.C., long before it was cool or accepted uh, to be both black and Republican. And so I've been in this space a long time, and a lot of the journey for me recently has been sad uh, and frustrating uh, to watch this once proud party um, become a a mere shadow of his former self. Um, that is more animated by white nationalism and hate and racism uh, 
Uh, and, you know, a lot of my friends on the progressive left, especially like to say, oh, it's always been that way. And that's just bull. It's not always been that way. Yeah. Um, and there, you know, like both political parties have struggled through uh, the challenges that that this country has presented it. I mean, you know, to my Dems, I remind them, I said, you guys know you helped found the Ku Klux Klan. Right. <laughs> so, you know, so you know, let's keep it all in perspective. Both parties have, have got stains um, in this space. But this period for Republicans seems particularly daunting and particularly uh, stain filled. Yeah. And it's made it very hard for someone like me to um, fathom what his future looks like. Uh, and certainly uh, fathom seeing myself in that future. Yeah. Um, and, but I, you know, I, I still persist as a motel six Republican. Someone's got to keep the lights on. <laughs> and, um, steal you know, that <laughs> Despite despite the fact that these these bastards keep coming driving by and blowing out the light, you know, but I got more bulbs. I keep putting graffiti. It back in. There's a graffiti in the door. Lib cock. There's some chicken bones on the porch. You know, yeah, there were some people here at one time, but yeah, yeah, it's not the best part of town these days. Well, that's it, right? I mean, I'm a you know, <laughs> so, uh, right. used to be really nice, but man, the malls closed. All this left is the theater and the, ch- the cheesecake right. factory. Okay. <laughs> uh, it's an apt description, but yeah, you know, I, you know, I'm an ex-Republican. I'm a Reagan guy, right? I grew up in the eighties and uh, well, the you know, seventies and eighties. And I went to West point under the Reagan revolution, you know, the, the yeah. 1983, the buildup. And that was my thing. I was a strong on defense and strong on this and strong. You know, and, and, and those were our values then. I mean, matter of fact, you know, I I've seen, and that's, let's talk about that and we'll jump around. You know, I've seen a number of pieces this week about you know Elon Musk being the chief troll right and 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 there's been discussions of his politics right and we're we're looking at you know where the conservative movement is today you know Greg Sargent said it really well yesterday because he said by now it should be obvious that for large swaths of the right-wing media ecosystem the trigging of the libs has become an end in itself and those are capitalized and then as I was preparing for our chat you know I looked you I looked up your senate run from 2006 when you focused on and I quote low taxes less government spending free markets and national security were your priorities for your senate run and, and I thought, oh, like that's like real, like conservative right there, you know. <laughs> well, 2006, that's like that was what the cons- hell that, is that? right. What and so, and, and you know, these are not the same anymore. You know, what, you know, what is the future of the GOP if that's what they've chosen as their cause? Is that you know, owning the libs or triggering? I mean, it's a, I, I think we've really blended what the idea of conservative is, and we've really lost our way on that. You, you are a rock, rock back to you know, right? steel rotted conservative, but it's not in your party. People. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of people, oh, you know, I love moderate Republicans like you. I'm like, okay. (laughs) We used to be extremists. (laughs) We just stop explaining it. But it tells you just how hard the party has swung to the right that, you know, a traditional conservative comes off as this sort of moderate left-wing Republican. Right. Um, I don't even know where that would put the liberal Republicans back in the day. You know, they would, they would probably be considered progressives. You know? I'm that guy. I mean, that guy, you know, I, 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 I'm that guy. I mean, I asked yeah. my, I asked my ex-wife, I said, you know, when that becomes so liberal, she goes, dude, you, you've always been this way. These are always the values you you know, and, and as we, as we kind of unpacked my, 
my p- political positions over the years. They're just not part of this party anymore, right? It just, I, not. I'm not necessarily and, sure and I've speaks, changed. I mean, and we're talking, we're both talking about a party that has no platform. Right. So it has no way of publicly expressing what it believes, right. what it wants to achieve, right. how it would govern. Because Donald Trump said, I am all things to you. Um, and the party leadership said, okay. Right. And here we are. Um, and so that's, that is the future. So you have all this dancing now around the, uh, you know, Ron DeSantis in Florida, but I keep telling people Ron DeSantis is Donald Trump in a Brooks brothers suit, as opposed to, you know, <laughs> some off the rack, uh, you know, from the guy on the, on the corner. Right. Still not fitted. Um, and, and, but it's still a suit that doesn't fit the party. And, 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 you know, if you want to be about hating transgender children, uh, bashing Disney, uh, burning books and, and banning books, telling teachers what they can't and can't teach, telling black people your history is irrelevant and that we will decide what part of that history to tell. If we don't like it, we won't. Right then that you tell me what kind of future that party has with that kind of just because it's dressed up and it may sound bite better um doesn't mean that it is the best thing for the party or the best thing for the country or and and it has a base beyond those folks in florida it has a base beyond those folks which is why more and more people are leaving the party which i find ironic because you know they're not talking about the fact that people leaving they they want to say oh you know black men are now voting republican well okay as a percentage of what (laughs) right Right. The people leaving. Well, yeah. Well, did you see the story saying that Herschel Walker's wife was convinced that they would get 50 percent of the black vote in Georgia at, until the very bitter end, until even, oh, that's even just during ignorance. it's just, it, it's just that, that tells you somebody who's disconnected from the black community. Right. Which is, you know, the, you know, the party, the party oftentimes, you know, relies on those types of individuals who don't have those legitimate street street cred, if you will, right. with the community uh, in a way that brings the community into the narrative. Herschel Walker's brand was the fact that he was a former football player right. that everyone loves in Georgia. They still love what he did as a as a you know a player in Georgia and and, and professionally. Um, but that has nothing to do with how he's going to govern as a senator or how he's going to lead as a senator. And when they saw that, they went, oh, hell no. We not, no, yeah. we're not. First, are you great on the field? But no, this, 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 the Senate is not your thing. It has nothing to do with the color of his skin and everything to do with his competency. I think you're right. Does this go to, um, you know, thing I talked about often on the show, if you listen to the show, I do talk about how, you know, like him or hate him, Donald Trump is a lifelong marketer. Right. This is a guy who could he marketed his celebrity. He marketed his name. He marketed that. You know, you look at today's polling, you know, which is amazing that Wall Street Journal, I believe even uh, USA Today had another. But Wall Street Journal came out early today with 53 percent of Republican voters prefer Ron DeSantis over Trump, 38 percent for Trump. I'm sure the ketchup's flying at Mar-a-Lago right now, but you know, you know, it, it, of course, DeSantis is only viewed favorably by 43 percent of all voters in that sample. So, so while Trump is a master marketer of Donald Trump, his his attempts to create the next Trump, like be like, oh well, see the the formula is you know celebrity TV right. appear, you know, it doesn't seem to work for anybody but Donald Trump, and even Trump yeah. doesn't seem to get that right. And Ron DeSantis is not that guy, 
right? <laughs> you know, he's got the bullying part down, right? He's got the he's got the you know the the woke liberal bullshit, you know, and the the, right. the, the agenda, the and and now I guess anti-vaxxing now for fuck's sake. Oh yeah, anti-vaxxing. Yeah, as we play back his quotes talking about how important it is to get vaccinated. Right. You know, and, but that's but that's the whole thing. This is all performative bullshit, and Americans need to see it for what it is. They're unserious. They're incompetent um, to to do anything beyond scaring people. Now, you know, people may want to talk about the kind of governor that he is in Florida. He got a, a elected, uh, overwhel- reelected overwhelmingly. Okay, that's fine. That's Florida. Yeah, but that's Florida. not the rest of the country. Right. And that doesn't mean that what he's done in Florida is necessarily going to translate on a bigger platform where every everything is going to be scrutinized in a national context. Um, and from what I hear from people on the ground in Florida, he does not translate well. He's not that warm, fuzzy guy no. uh, that Donald Trump was. To your point, Donald Trump was about the personality. Right. Donald Trump had you overlooked his his deficiencies, to put it that way, um, because of the outsized nature of his personality and the bold, brash bullshit that would come out of his mouth, which for a lot of folks was refreshing. Oh, my God, did you hear what he said today? And they were entertained by that. Right. Uh, we have been entertained until it got serious, and all of a sudden you began to see He wants to build a wall. He wants to keep Muslims out. He thinks they're fine people on both sides when it comes to uh, race, racial uh, attacks um, and hatred. Um, You go through that laundry list. And so when you talk to people and and this is what this poll, the polling shows you, it's a lot like what we had back in the day among many people, many elected officials uh, and, and activists in the in the life space when challenged on a on abortion they would say i'm personally opposed but right right so okay so now you just created this sort of sliding scale right the same is here what do you hear mm-hmm. oh I, I i like donald trump's policies but <laughs> the policies i always love that one right and so of course that there you know i'm just an inquisitive type which policy specifically did you like? Exactly. And once you get beyond tax cuts that nine times out of 10 didn't apply or benefit the person who's telling you this, right? Right. It drops off. There is the what China. Okay. Yeah. So he, he, he made a lot of noise about China, but what was the China policy? It you know, right. what was our policy in North Korea? Oh, love letters between him and Kim Jong-un. Right. <laughs> that, that, was the, that was the policy. Yeah. So you're going to find a lot of this kind of playing itself out. I take note of the fact um, that the guy that everyone's claiming is the next, is the second coming of Donald Trump right. in a better suit with better quafted hair nice looking family and a very successful governor, he's a veteran. You know, brave don't, don't politician. He's a veteran, you remember, too. you remember the ad that his wife put out oh my God. Uh, at the end where on the eighth day, <laughs> God created Ron DeSantis yeah. to bring priests across the land. Yeah. Well, this brother can't even tell us what he thought about Donald Trump having lunch and dinner with the Nazis. Yep. He has expressed no opinion about that. Or the Nazis so, in the state, like Nazis demonstrating on bridges and public public places right. in his own state. He keeps quiet about that. 
So here we're on the ninth day, brother. What are you going to say about that? That's what I want to know. So, you know, so spare me this, you know, second coming bullshit. Yep. Uh, and let's focus on the fact that until he or anyone else stands up and says, Donald Trump is an anathema to everything Republicans used to stand for and should stand for once again. And not only am I breaking from this, but I'm moving the party off of this, off of this Trump crack. We're going to go through rehabilitation together. We're going to go through um, the 12 steps of recovery together. Um, We're going to make amends to the American people for offending them by saying that January 6th was just political discourse, the election denialism that we spread across the country. We're going to check ourselves now, and I'm going to be the leader to help us do that. Until that happens, bye, Felicia. (laughs) Well, that's it. And, you know, it's funny, another one of our fallen colleagues, you know, Tim Miller, um, Tim's book was not up here. It should be. Tim Tim talks about that journey that, you know, and, and... the dopamine of the the owning the libs thing, right? The, and he, he he traces it. If you've read his book, he traces the history back to, of course, Rush Limbaugh and that that anger seed that ran through our part. I know you you tangled Rush Limbaugh, you know, that, that it started back then. I know in your early days and then it, it goes right. to today where there's entire ecosystems derived around that, that dopamine effect that we have to get even crazier and have even crazier and even crazier. And then you see just like that takes us to DeSantis, which again, with his bullshit anti-vax stuff yesterday, and where did he go immediately? He got himself his five minutes on Laura Ingram. Uh, it, it's, it's this cycle of dumping the anger, dopamine, but then you're right. It's at some point Americans go, wait a minute, you know, when are you going to, you know, what, what's in it for me? What are we going to govern for? And, uh, it's, it is a, it's a, it's a dangerous cycle. Um, and again, I, I'm a, I call myself a democracy advocate and, and I, I worry about the democracy itself. I see the violence, you know, look, man, I was in, I was in Baghdad. I kind of sort of invaded the country twice. And, uh, I was there right. in 2003. I was there in 2005, right in Baghdad. I was in 2008 in Baghdad, ducking rockets from Sadr City. I don't want to fucking live in a country where that's a thing, you know, where people are running right. out with guns and they hate each other. We're taking out our enemies like, you know, we're, we're getting hints of now. It's it's terrifying. And I think the Elon Musk stuff, which we kind of started talking about at the beginning of this, this portion of our conversation is is part of that, 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 that attack. I mean, you, you talk about the party. I mean, you... You know, you talked recently about how the Trump wing of the party has taken hold of all the way down to the state parties now, right? And and and, yeah. and that seals Ronald McDaniel's uh, in as the RNC chairman. You know, I'm out here in Missouri. It's clear that no matter what happens to Trump, there is an extremist wing that is taken. Right? So we, we talk about the Trump like we just did in the and the DeSantis, but but the same token, we've both talked about recently how that stream, that MAGA stream, ultra MAGA, what they fucking call themselves now, has trickled down. So many of our state parties and our local parties are are, are run here, even though on the local level, here where I am in the school district my kids go to, um, or my girlfriend's kids go to, you know, we had a couple of these anti-masks fucking lunatics and uh, get elected to school board. And the first thing they did was get rid of all the DE&I programs or any program that supported the black students we were busing in from St. Louis City. Because it didn't support all students, because you know all lives matter. I mean, so right. how does a party ever recover from? I mean, we, we talk about getting rid of the. You know, we talked very clearly about we have to get, get ourselves off the Trump um, train, but it feels like I'm not necessarily sure that fucking Donald Trump's actually in the engine anymore, right? I mean, back, to, back in the caboose, actually, right? So what, what's happening in the caboose is super terrifying. That that's actually um, a very very important point to make because. I think what a lot of people lose sight of at this stage is that this is less and less and less and less about Donald Trump. 
um, and more and more about what Trumpism is now uh, within the the uh, the political ether of the party. Right. How in in that ecosystem? How is how it's to your point uh, about the impact at the state level? Um, how that's playing itself out? It, it's it's you know the patient zero was Donald Trump. Right. Right. Um, We are beyond patient zero at this point. We've studied, studied it enough. We know the ailments. We know what the signs are. We know we know what the impact is. So it is less and less and less and less about patient zero uh, and more and more about what has now become a widespread infection. Yeah. uh, That has um, eaten uh, at to the point of rot. Um, within the GOP, right? Um, where not don't take my word for it. Y'all can hate me for saying it, but shit, I just look at 2018 and 2020 right. to special elections in 2021 and 2022. It's right there. All I know is in 2010, I won, baby. And I won <laughs> not not by beating the shit out of of of, no. of Barack Obama and saying he was a Muslim and from a foreign country and all this other crap, but by laying before the American people the difference between how we as Republicans saw health care and how he was proposing health care, how we saw cap and trade and how we uh, how they proposed to implement cap and trade, how we saw our global stance in the world and how they saw our global stance in the world. And the import, and the American people were given a choice. And that came off of having to build off of losing cycles in 2006 and 2008, right. in which we got our clocks thoroughly cleaned because, again, we failed to recognize what the American people were telling us about the war in Iraq what the American people were saying about the economy and we paid the price here. They failed to realize what the American people have been saying about Trump and Trumpism. Uh, and yet we doubled down with election denialism, embrace of uh, uh, white nationalism uh, and, and QAnon and the American people are like, no, right. we don't want that. So out of 95 potential statewide elected uh, de- uh, election deniers being elected, only nine got elected to yeah. state offices. Um, and so it was a, it was a rebuke, thorough rebuke. But again, it is not, it is not something I have to tell you. I don't need to do a review or an autopsy to know why the party right now is suffering um, is suffering because of its own actions, its own words, and its own leadership. Right. Um, not because of anything Michael Steele is saying, or not anything that Fred Wellman is saying, or not anything that that the you know Lincoln Project or the Democratic Party, for that matter, is saying, or independent voters. It's we're just letting you, you know, like like you said. When your when your opponent is out there uh, making a fool of himself, don't don't join. Just sit back, get some popcorn, and let it happen. Right. Yeah. When your enemies make a mistake, let them do it. I, and and that's yeah. the thing. I think you know it's hard to be optimistic in places like Missouri where it's getting worse. <laughs> you know, I really you know to be honest with you. But but you also said you know the actions of the party. And in many ways, I think they're being judged now too uh, by intelligent people on their inactions. Right. Which is that that weakness that, that what makes me sick to my stomach a lot of times is the people like 
and I beat this guy up a lot and, and I used to like him, but guy, Rob Whitman, who's Virginia one, for example, Rob was a, mm-hmm. was a, he was a rock rib conservative like you, right? He was, he was a, you know, he, he, he can't, he went toe to toe with Obama on things he didn't agree with him with. He and I used to bat heads even when I was in those early days and I was kind of floating away in Virginia when I lived in Fredericksburg, Virginia in his district, he just caved. <laughs> you know what I mean? He, right. he, he just disappeared. The, the Rob Whitman, this, 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 this traditional Republican, he was, a, he's a small town guy. That guy just disappeared. And then the next thing I know, I see him showing up at the fucking skiff in Congress with these stupid antics of trying to remember that fucking thing, <laughs> you know, and, and, I, and I see and I and I think that's their part. I think I judge them by is not so much the actions where they've actually look, I know Marjorie Taylor Greene. She's fucking nut job. Right. I mean, you know, I was thinking right. about, you know, I, I, I see her. The problem is the ones I don't see, the ones who've made themselves fucking wallpaper, <laughs> right? You know, I mean, right. it, it, you know, and that's the really scary part is how many of these guys have decided just, well, I'll just, you know, it's the good Nazis just put the uniform on, but don't worry, I didn't actually throw any Jews in the person. <laughs> yeah, but you put the uniform on. Yeah, but re- I wasn't really into it. <laughs> you I really know? wasn't into it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I left the camp early that day. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. I, I yeah. wasn't there. Yeah. I'm sorry that that just doesn't, and, and that that's actually a very good point to raise because that's a lot of what you see happening right now. Right. It is, it is the, um, I, you know, Vanilla. Yeah, we're it's, done with it's, Trump, it's we're just so veg- fed lasagna. <laughs> right. Right. It's like, they want you to believe that they're done. They're done with Trump and we're moving. We need to move off from him. We, we can't win elections with him. And I'm like, okay, I give you that. That's fine. We only been telling you that since 2015. Yeah. But I somehow don't believe it because you gave license to it all. Yeah. Yeah. You continue to give license to it even even after January 6th. Yep. You 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 get to the Senate and the House floor and you condemn the man and then you get on a plane to Mar-a-Lago to kiss his ass. You know, we say actions speak louder than words. But I'm also a big believer that inactions speak just as loudly, right? And and very much so. See. And that's what I've seen is there's there's we we understand there's a, the always everybody talks about oh it's only thirty percent magoing great, but the problem is the other twenty to thirty percent are sitting there on their hands not doing a damn thing about it, right? Right. I mean, so I mean, where where was the where was the pushback to to you know on the hundred and forty nine members of the House who voted to overturn the election? Right. Where where was the pushback on on Marjorie Taylor Greene and Matt Gates running around the country making these wild ass QAnon claims and and there was nothing. There was silence. Yeah, I call you know, it. Oh, yeah. you don't want to deal with that. Well, no, okay, you don't have to deal with it, but you're going to deal with the consequences that come from it. I don't pay attention to Twitter. Up, oh, up, oh, late, late for lunch. Right. <laughs> you know, I, I call them. I call them the late for lunch crowd. My class, right? They're the guys that go by the microphone. Oh, sorry, really late for lunch. You know, <laughs> you know, right. and like, well, fuck, <laughs> you know, right. you know. And there's there's just too many late for lunch guys, you know, who aren't doing a fucking thing. And I think we ignore them at our peril, and they're making a living of. You you know, I had a candidate, I was helping a candidate here, a wonderful lady named Trish Gumby running in Missouri too against, uh, shit, I remember now, I want to forget her so bad, but, uh, and, 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 and her opponent is so vanilla. It's so hard to pin her down. <laughs> you know, she's just like the wallpaper Republican and it's like running, right. it's like running against a bowl of vanilla ice cream. You know, it's like, well, I'll eat it, but fuck, it's just vanilla, <laughs> but it's right. hard. It's hard right. to beat those people because they're very good at making themselves, you know, and they might as well just fucking vote present. You know, if, they, if they're forced to vote, it's present. It's not, they don't stand for anything. Uh, they don't stand for it. And, you know, the, the test for 
you know, the, the good people of Missouri, like the good people here in Maryland and Florida and elsewhere around the country, is that you you got to come, you got to have a political come to Jesus moment where you realize that the individuals that are putting themselves out there, that you're putting out there, that you ultimately are voting on, they are an extension of you. Right. They they represent your values and your your expectations, even if you didn't vote for them, right? Yeah. So th- that's the way our system is. Um, the majority gets to decide. And so the question becomes, do you sit on the sidelines and let the, let the minority become the majority by virtue of your lack of participation? Do you sit on the sidelines and let um, bad actors uh, be put forth, and this is to McConnell's po- point about the quality of candidates yep. um, uh, to to represent the interests of our party and um, our national leadership, or do you stand in the breach and say no right. and and get behind candidates who who best represent where you think the country and the community and and the party should go? So to the point about the national presidential election, there is no, for me, there's no differential choice between Donald Trump and, and DeSantis. Right. There's no choice there. I mean, okay, again, I'm a, voting for an old suit or a new suit. Yeah. Yeah, I need them fit but the well. but the shit stain on the suit is the same. <laughs> well, you know, and, and you talk about. It, I mean, the, now we got Marjorie Taylor Greene. I, you know, as you know, I was senior advisor for her opponent Marcus Farr, is a dear friend now. I had a year and a half to study her. You know, it's it's clear that this tiny majority of the GOP, you know, places immense power in, the, in this insane form of leadership. I mean, to me, I think it's going to be. I mean, where do you see coming? We're going to we have a very deeply poisoned House Caucus now. The Republican Caucus is very poisoned. You know, if McCarthy ends up being Speaker, which is amazing that it's not for sure. I think. I I, I think you said he's some, not, you know, it's. Uh, yeah, I was reading something earlier today that says apparently 12 members of the House caucus have come out and said they're not supporting him. So effectively, he's done, which actually, ironically, um, gives the leverage to the Democrats. <laughs> it's going to be Sammy. And, and I think it'll be interesting. You know, so I, obviously we, we talked about that. We know they're going to do the investigations of everything, the impeachments of everybody and all this ridiculous stuff. Uh, and with their cheese whiz charcuterie, if you saw that video, right, you know, right. and so I'm going to call it the cheese whiz, cheese whiz caucus. So the cheese whiz caucus is going to be caused night. It's going to be interesting to me going back to what we were talking about, um, you know, throwing back to that, those, those wallpaper Republicans, we'll call them. Uh, how do I, it'll be, I mean, it's, we're going to spend a lot of time focusing videos and my friend Ron Filipkowski was on the show um, not too long ago, clips of, you know, Marjorie doing her crazy shit and Gates doing his crazy shit and Jordan doing his crazy shit. It'll be fascinating to see the guys who are sitting there on the far left, right? Michael, on the, on the podiums there in the committee hearings, you know, how are the, how is the wallpaper Republicans going to deal with this? It'll be very interesting to see. I mean, there's an optimist still. I had this weird optimism streak that we joke about here on the show a lot, but uh, will the will the wallpaper Republicans finally wake up at some point, or wh- what do you see this next two years looking like? I, they they you know they're pretty much going to find themselves with very little choice but to co to coalesce, create a coalition with um, center right Democrats. Yeah, um, and in order to really effectively um, move anything um, uh, agenda wise on any of the committees that they're on. Again, going back to the point I just made, if you know, this uh, report that just came out about an hour ago on the state of the, the speaker's race, you know, Hakeem Jeffries, the, the newly minted uh, 
minority leader um, has has some weapons in his arsenal now, and he knows how to use uh, them. to to go about and create a coalition that could install the next speaker. Uh, because I think it's going to be hard for the 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 hard right to to really settle on someone if they're really hell bent against Kevin and. That individual that they do settle on is going to have a hard time garnering the kind of votes and support they need to get to 218, unless it's someone like a Scalise, who I think could probably bridge that gap, but not for two or three ballots, maybe. Um, we'll see. We'll see. But right now, I, you know, I and a few others have been saying this for months. You know, the idea of Speaker McCarthy was as much a joke today as it was. Um, the last two times he ran when there's still that moment to come when Donald Trump weighs in and goes, eh, I don't think he's the best man for the job. And then what? Right. Yeah. And I suspect some of that already is what we're seeing playing out now is the result of Donald Trump having quietly signaled yeah. um, that he doesn't want Kevin because these guys otherwise would not be so brazen as to come out and announce. I mean, like, just what the vote they took the side the the um the silent vote that they took or the quiet whatever they want to call it but they still leaked out 31 members voted against didn't they, you know weren't planning to support them now you have 12 who come out and actually said they won't yep um you know it just makes it hard to get to 218 and to your point it it really gives you an indication of what the the next um six to eight months inside the GOP are going to look like um, from a legislative perspective. There will be no governing people. So just get that out of your mind now. Yep. Um, we will have hearings on Hunter Biden, but they told us that's what they were going to do. Yep. There are going to be efforts made to or attempts to impeach Joe Biden. <laughs> um, they told us they were going to do that. They did not tell you they had a solution for health care. They did not tell you they had a solution for China. They did not tell you they had a solution for Ukraine other than we're not writing any more checks. Right. So um, please, people, let's be realistic about your expectations from this party because they're telling you what they're what they're not going to do <laughs> by telling you what they are going to do. Right. Yeah. And the and, and, and it'll, it'll translate very directly. Now, I, I want to throw back to a little, you know, you were chairman of the GOPAC back in the mid-2000s. And that project yep. has been running since 1978. For those not familiar, GOPAC is a Republican uh, project uh, that was born in the 70s when the ma many majorities were held by Democrats, you know, statewide, I mean, everywhere. The Democrats had a lock, you know, Tip O'Neill was still there, I think. And a decision was made to launch a program to train, educate, and grow young Republicans, conservative movements across the states. And then... You know, up in the Congress, and and by every measure, you have to say it's it's been it's been it's worked right here in Missouri. When I left Missouri in 1983, it was a Democratic state, <laughs> you know. But here I am now, and good luck with that, you know. So you know, it feels like the effort's been wildly successful. I don't know of anything even close on the Democratic side that's competing. They with don't. That. They it, don't have anything close to GoPac. Uh, I chaired GoPac uh, between 2007 and 2009. Uh, and GOPAC is a state-based operation. It does not uh, do anything at the federal level. It's about grooming, developing, promoting, and placing uh, Republican candidates um, for state office, statewide and local offices. That's how we grow our base. That's how we grow our bench. 
Um, and those candidates eventually kind of grow up in the system to run for Congress, U.S. Senate, governor. Governors would, you know, while they're part of the GOPAC ether, they're also kind of a little bit outside of it because right. they're they're the bigger statewide race, so they're almost on par with a federal, you know, kind of race. But nonetheless, we we spent a lot of time identifying, grooming those candidates. It is something that the Democrats have missed to their great political peril, which is why it was not easy, but why it, why it made sense for me to target state legislative races in 2010, yeah. where we won over 850 seats uh, across the country, flipped wow. 11 state legislatures, wow. because I'm a grassroots guy. I yeah. ran go back. I'm like, okay, now we got this farm team. Let's put them out in the field. Let's, let's get them to work. And sure enough, they were ready to assume the roles and responsibilities of state leadership, got elected to state legislatures, uh, to governorships um, and um, other state offices and local offices, county executive, for example, yep. uh, or county commission. So, yeah, uh, it is how you grow and uh, operationalize your your platform, your um, values through the kinds of men and women that are uh, representing the party. Right. Uh, and putting forth um, a at least a face where people can see a little bit of themselves reflected in it. Uh, the Dems talk a lot of that. They yeah. just don't do it. They haven't done it. And so now maybe, you know, the the lane is there for them to look at creating their version of COPAC or, or at least focusing on these, uh, these statewide elections. The Democrats did take back, I think two legislatures in this cycle. Yep. Um, Michigan being one of them. Yep. Which is a big deal. Big deal. Uh, to take both the House and the Senate in Michigan. Yep. But uh, that's one of 50. And uh, if you want to know how uh, we were able to land and have success with uh, Supreme Court nominations and federal appointments and things like that, it all began with what we were doing at the state and local level. Right. It's a long-term project, right? It's it, yeah. and, and there's a, it feels like there's a certain point of self-sustainment as well, right? Like I said, seeing being here in Missouri, it's sort of there. It, it, once you get once you add enough fuel to the fire, the fire just burns, right? And I do see that here in Missouri. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's been unique for me to go from Virginia back to my hometown. When I left Missouri in 1983, this is not what Missouri looked like. Um, hell, when I left Georgia, I was you know I don't you know if you know I ran briefly for mayor of Petrie City, Georgia, in 2001, mm-hmm. and. They threw a war, <laughs> so I went up to war instead. But uh, you know, fun right. thing, you know, throw a war. It's better to be in Iraq. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I'm not. I've I've said that before. Actually, I'm better off being in Iraq than in local politics. But having said that, I remember the funny thing about that is this is how long ago this was. And you look what happened in Georgia. They won all the statewide races, Republicans except for Senate. Um, when I ran for mayor, our state rep from Peachtree City, Fayette County, which is just south uh, uh, west of Atlanta. I uh, went up to get one of our road intersections fixed with the governor. I believe it was, uh, it doesn't matter which governor it was. And uh, it may have been Sonny Purdue, but I'm not sure. Anyway, so they go see the governor. And uh, after they get done their presentation about this intersection, as they're leaving the room in, this is in 2000, he goes, hey, uh, one thing, you know, y'all got you a lot of Republicans down there, don't you? <laughs> and they're like, well, yes, sir. And he goes, okay, great. Well, good talking to you. <laughs> you know? And now, literally the entire state's dominant. You know, the Republican Party's taking that state. So in a 20, yeah. a 22, 20-year 20 effort, 
Georgia's gone. It's, you'd be hard to, hard pressed to argue that Georgia's a purple state, except for some major movement, and it's close. But but so that it becomes sort of a self sustaining thing, and and that's something I've qu- talked about on the show before. Is I don't know if you know, you know this probably, but it, it translates higher up in this cycle. Twenty three Republican congressional candidates ran unopposed, and only six Democrats. Uh, and so that, I think that is the translation to include by God, Paul Gosar and Debbie Lesko in Arizona ran on a post. I mean, just yeah. wrap your head around that for a second that Paul Gosar. Well, was, it, it, it's, it's how you take seriously the idea of actually, uh, engaging in the hard knock, hard knock aspects of partisan politics. A lot of, unfortunately, a lot of people think that you've got to be brutal and it's a dirty, it's ugly. It's yeah, yeah, it's a little bit of that. Um, but it, you don't, you don't have to engage where it's zero sum, where I hate you, you hate me. Um, and, and, and think that you're going to have success in that space. I think what what you have to do, you still have to do the basic work of convincing voters that your team is better prepared to lead than that team, that your ideas are going to benefit them more. What happened in this cycle, one of the things that ate into the red wave was that voters, uh, while they were disappointed or did not like or outright rejected uh, some or all of what the Biden administration was saying or doing or had accomplished on policy, there were other things that mitigated uh, against um, against uh, the Republicans, whereas those concerns would have would have been preeminent, right? Because it's all about the economy, right? Oh, inflation right. is up and gas prices are up. Oh, we win. No, because. You have candidates out here who are telling us that they're pro-life, but they're paying for their girlfriend's abortions. You have candidates out here who are telling us that if you elect me, I will relitigate the 2020 election cycle. And in fact, I will throw out the results and declare uh, Donald Trump the winner. So voters are like, that's more of a threat to me than the price of gas. Right. Mm-hmm. That's more of a threat to the future for my kids than the, the level of inflation. Yep. Inflation will rise and fall. The democracy, once it falls, does not rise again, at least not easily and certainly not within your lifetime. And so it's it. I think a lot of voters weigh that. And to the point on that, right, what we saw in some of the national polling, which was probably the most accurate in this cycle than it has been in a while, was at the beginning of the summer, the number eight, nine, ten issue for voters was democracy. Yep. On the weekend before the election, the last uh, poll taken by uh, New York Times, Wall, I mean the Wall Street Journal, um, NBC uh, poll, democracy was the number one issue. So that tells you that voters had been paying attention to January 6th. They were paying attention to the Mar-a-Lago investigation. They were paying attention to all of it. And they had formed an opinion on it. Uh, And that opinion was, yeah, democracy still matters to me. And I think for candidates going into this upcoming cycle, they cannot discount that. Yeah. They cannot discount that. 
So I, I agree on all points, and 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 it does matter, and and the corruption does matter, the criminality does matter, and does pay off, and, 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 yeah. and eventually, look, it's just there's so much, there's just the volume of it has got to stick at some point. So, and again, it'll be interesting to see what it does to the those wallpaper Republicans, and and we'll have to keep an eye on those who are desperately trying to stay out of our view. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know what I mean? Yeah, nothing to see here. You know, oh, I'm late for lunch. <laughs> so the, the late for I'm lunch. Crap. In yeah. With <laughs> yeah. The wall. I mean, they're not going to, I look forward. I mean, I've, I've told people a lot of that. You're not going to be able to hide anymore when you're the majority, by the way, and you're having to send these committees next to Marjorie Terry Green and Bobert and all yeah. the crazies. Good luck trying to blend in because we're going to see you and, and seeing you is going to be key and we're going to hold you accountable for your misbehaviors. Yeah. Well, or the your holding failures. accountable is an essential part of it for yeah. sure. Yeah, well, I I can't thank you enough for joining us on the on the show. So it's always fun talking to you. I mean, everybody loves watching. Same it. here, man. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed it you. very yeah. much. So where do we where do we find the new podcast? Where do we find you online? What, so what project you got cooking right now? That the Michael Steele project, which uh, a podcast, which I spent over a million dollars to come up with that Billions. name. Um, <laughs> No, I didn't, people. Just say that. But uh, the Michael Steele podcast, you can certainly find on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, uh, you know, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Michael Steele. Um, uh, I, you know, certainly uh, Instagram, um, Chairman underscore Steele there. Right. Yep. Uh, and uh, TikTok. I don't have a presence on TikTok. I'm just addicted to it. I know, um, I, I know I'm not supposed night. to. I know I'm supposed to get off it, but I just... It's Dude, just last so night I, I get in the bed and I'm lying there and, you know, I'm setting this out. Oh, let me check my calendar so I have to see what I have to do tomorrow morning when I get up. And I checked it and then this TikTok thing just popped in. I said, oh, an hour and a half later. Yep. Yeah, I'm done. Yep. I'm just done. I, I won't even begin to tell you the, the, the language my wife was using at that point. <laughs> but um, yeah, so but no, seriously, the, the Michael Steele podcast, which is a fun podcast. Yeah. Love to get you on to, oh, I'd love uh, to. To, to have you, um, you know, do a little uh, promo as well as conversation uh, with with my listeners and um, and certainly, you know, MSNBC, I'm there. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, we see on TV too. I was going to, if you didn't say that, I was going to say, ah, yeah, yeah, you see him on yeah, TV too. Oh, MSNBC so. is a political yeah, analyst it. quite a bit, which yeah. is fun. Um, but, um, yeah, you know, I'm just trying to keep it real and honest. And, you know, as my friends who know me will say, I'm the same guy from 1976, um, today, meaning that, yeah, my, my views on some issues may have changed, but my consistency about the value and the proposition of of Republican ideals, Lincoln Republicanism is what I call it. It's why I define myself as a Lincoln Republican, um, uh, still matter the most to me. I mean, Lincoln is why I'm a Republican. Yeah. Uh, and and that's that for me says it all, not Donald Trump. And as much as I admired Ronald Reagan, not Ronald Reagan, um, it was what this party was originally founded on that I still think has some value for the American people and try to make that case either inside the party or outside of it. Uh, I, I agree. That's it. You know, that the values that we hold and those, that's why yeah. I, I say off, I actually tweeted it just not long ago. It's like, I, my values haven't changed in many ways. I'm sticking to them more than I ever have in my adult life. Right. You know, right. Like, I, 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 Did I, you I, realize I how valuable they are? Right. I think, I think <laughs> I, I bent my values for a long time there to, to fit myself into someplace I wasn't welcome. 
Uh, right. and, and now I was like, no, I've sprung a back. It's like, no, this is what I stand for. That this racism will not stand. This bigotry, this homophobia, you know, letting people live their lives. I'm, I'm just, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be a part of this anymore. This is what, not yeah. what I stand for. Yeah. So it's no, I, I think that's, I think that's very, very true. Yeah. Uh, and I appreciate your, your journey uh, in that struggle, my friend. Well, I appreciate you too. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. I think we'll let you go and, uh, and right. we'll see you soon, sir. Wow, what a great conversation with Michael Steele. As you can see, he's a no BS guy like me. That, uh, that's why this is an R-rated show, I think. <laughs> we, we tell it like it is here at, uh, at On Democracy, and I'm glad you enjoyed the show. As always, you can find me online at FP Wellman on Twitter. I'm on post.news if you've got on post yet. If you can line up for post, I'd love to see you on post. Of course, I'm on uh, I'm on YouTube. I'm on everywhere. Our our program on YouTube is On Democracy Podcast. We'd love you to follow us there. Subscribe, like, review. We desperately need reviews on Apple Podcasts so people will see our podcast. We desperately need to subscribe on all those places so you get the podcast as soon as it comes out. Any support you can give us is appreciated. And always follow me and, and DM me and reach out to me if you can. As always, the show is sponsored by our friends at Vi Media. Vi Media is your digital marketing partner. They're based right here in St. Louis. They can catch a kick of all of your needs in digital marketing. They're very good at what they do. They've been a great friend and partner of the show. You can find them at vi.media online. That's V-I-E dot media. In the meantime, you can find us here right here on the show on YouTube and everywhere. We'll be back again next week uh, on time with a great guest, a, a, a wonderful, smart person, Ruth Ben-Giet, who's written the book, uh, Strong Men, you'll see here in the far right. Hey, man, if you follow, our, 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 if follow us on social media this week, I'll talk a little bit about the books we've got here and why I chose them. In the meantime, have a great week. Hope you're getting ready for the holidays and you're enjoying your family time will be soon in the meantime we'll see you next week on on democracy with fp Wellman. 